Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Here we go, wherever you are and however you may be listening. Welcome to another edition, the NFL Divisional Round edition of the Sports Rivals. Ernie, today, two brilliant finishes. Uh, my Rams game this morning, yeah. it started off being nice and relaxing. And as I told you earlier, it was like Greg Norman in the Masters back in the 80s. It was an almost utter, <laughs> complete choke job by the Rams in the second half. Somehow they found a way to get it done. But let's start first. I mean, I know for me, the Rams was probably the biggest game. But the game that just ended right before we record, yeah. the Buffalo Bills against Kansas City Chiefs, that finish Historic. and the overall game Historic. has to be yeah. one of the NFL classics. It, it, it will be. I mean, you're talking about 25 points scored in under two minutes. And boy, what a game. Actually, in the beginning part, it was kind of ho-hum, ho-hum and everything like that. You know, wasn't all that exciting. But boy, did they put, did both quarterbacks put on shows, especially Allen, in my opinion. Allen, in my opinion, he played, Holmes did, Mahomes did well. Allen, Allen played just as good as, and then some more than Mahomes. Uh, just because of his legs and and the timeliness of it on fourth down and in in clutch moments, it's just sad to see it where he didn't get a chance to, you know, prove it in in overtime. Yeah, I mean another example of how the NFL uh, overtime leaves a little to be desired. Yeah, I mean yeah. Uh, the fact that I mean Mahomes went through this three years ago when they went to overtime with Tom Brady. He never got a chance to touch the ball. Mm-hmm. Brady took him down, scored a touchdown to advance to the Super Bowl. And the same thing today with uh, with Josh Allen. It was he never got a chance, and it became pretty clear down the stretch that whoever had the ball last was going to yeah, win, yeah. and that's exactly what, what happened. happened yeah. You're right, though. The game started relatively slow. There was time-consuming drives, a seven-minute drive, an eight-minute drive. I felt that the first half was only about an hour long. It was a pretty quick half that ended at 14-14. The third quarter was so ho-hum, but man, that wow. second half of the fourth quarter was Fireworks. unbelievable. Fireworks. I mean, it was like... It's like... <laughs> you, you did I. You know what? Two possessions before the game actually ended, I thought, well, that was great. That was great. And then you get two touchdowns after that and a field goal to, to send it over in, into overtime. I, I thought, I mean, I, I really thought it was over for the Kansas City Chiefs. 13 seconds left on the clock. I don't know how. I really don't. I don't know how the Buffalo, the number one ranked defense in the NFL, allowed Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to march down for that time field goal. I mean, first of all, I don't know how you let Tyreek Hill get that loose mm. and, and get there for a 65 yards touchdown that put him up again with a minute and two seconds left. And then with 13 seconds left, I don't know how you let Travis Kelsey that open in the middle of the field. Now, if they had no timeouts, then yes, you give up the middle of the field so that time runs out. But they still had two timeouts. Yeah, yeah. So he did. got to exactly where he wanted to go. He dropped timeout. Butker uh, hits the field goal to send it into overtime. 
Um, but you made a good point. Ernie and I were talking off the air, and Ernie says he just thinks the defense is retired at down the stretch. And that could be true because the defense, as spectacular as the quarterback play was in the, in the second half of the fourth quarter, defensively, I mean, guys were wide open yeah. all over the place. Um, and give credit to Mahomes and Allen. They made the defenses pay every single time exactly and if if anything you got you know you as a coordinator got to know that after a little while i mean you saw how wide open they were i mean and that wasn't happening in the beginning part of the game i mean they everything was i mean you're talking about splash play after splash play after splash play you know into the last two minutes and 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 for some part in overtime i mean uh that trot into the end zone in overtime looked relatively easy uh, although not as exciting as uh, you know the last two minutes, but yeah, both defenses were uh, looked uh, pretty much uh, you know like they were trying to catch their breaths. And you as a player, you're not going to ask for out, uh, not when the Super Bowl is on the line. You know the chance to get to the Super Bowl is on the line. You're gonna want you're gonna want to be part of that. You know part of that experience. And I can tell you right now, both sides for at least you know. 30 seconds or, or so thought they were going on to the next round. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, the scores were coming so fast down the stretch. And I mean, for Buffalo, you're heartbroken for them. Yes. You're heartbroken for Josh Allen. This is two years in a row that they lose a close one to Kansas City in Kansas City. Um, but the AFC, Mahomes is young. Allen is young. Justin Herbert is young. Joe Burrow is young. They're going to be a problem for everybody in the AFC for the next decade. It could be fireworks in the AFC. It, it could be. I, I, I still think Herbert needs uh, uh, a younger receiver or, you know, I mean, he has good targets over there, but he, he, ha- he doesn't have a Jamar Chase. And I think that's what makes uh, Burrow, uh, you know, one notch above him in that category now. But you're right. I mean, and we're not even talking about you didn't even mention Mahomes and Allen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mahomes, Allen, Bur- Burrell, and Herbert. I mean, those four. And then Derek Carr, who has been exceptional. He's still relatively young. I mean, whew, Lamar Jackson. I mean, yeah. he's still young. Yeah. It is, uh, there are a lot of young quarterbacks in the AFC. I think because of how the, the uh, positioning has, has gone, the AFC quarterbacks are significantly younger than the NFC. In the NFC, you have the Brady's. You have Rogers. Stafford's, the Rogers, the Wilsons. Um, other than Kyler Murray, he'd be he fit, Kyler Murray kind of fits what's going on in the AFC, mm-hmm. but he's the only one really in the NFC that's like that. So, uh, impressive win by the Kansas City Chiefs. A heartbreaking loss for the Buffalo Bills. Kansas City will host the AFC Championship game for a record fourth year in a row going for their third consecutive trip to the Super Bowl. The line just came out. They're opening at seven-point favorites over the Bengals. And we'll get to that in a little bit, mm-hmm. breaking down who we think will, will actually get to the Super Bowl. But let's jump over to my Rams. I mean, Ernie, what a start for the Rams. The Rams were thoroughly dominating um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They pick off Brady. You know, up 20-3, to three, they pick off Brady. They look like they're going to go in and go up 27-3. to three. And then Cam Akers fumbles at the one-yard line right before the half. So they go in at 20-3, to and that was an omen of what was about to come in the second half. Because as I mentioned earlier, 
it was almost heartbreaking to watch this game because it just seemed like inevitably they were going to give it away. <laughs> and it was just unbelievable. Cooper Cup, 27-6. Cup, sure-handed Cup with no fumbles this year. Fumbles at the 30-yard line. Tampa Bay scores. And then Von Miller comes in. Strip sack of Brady. Yes, we have the momentum. And then the center snaps the ball when Stafford's not looking. <laughs> 30 yards the other direction. Tampa Bay gets the ball back. And then, uh, and then at the end, after they go up 27-20, Cam Akers fumbles again. Literally gave the game away until inexplicably Cooper Cup gets deep with 20 seconds left. And Matt Gay kicks the field goal to send the Rams into the NFC Championship. But you talk about heart attack waiting to happen. Ernie, that game shouldn't have been anywhere have been. near 30 to 27. It should have been more like 40 to 10, it's, it's, the way the Rams it, it, dominated it, it, the game. Exactly. I mean, I, I, like I told you off, off air, I was, I was about to you know, switch channels on top of that because my Boston Celtics were actually playing the game. And, and I thought at that point it was, it was academic, you know, when it was, when it was 20s, I mean, I, I, I definitely watched the second half, but when it was 27 to three, I thought, okay, I mean, there, there's no way that this is going to happen, you know, and then for everything that you mentioned, it allowed them into game momentum, definitely switched, definitely switched side to Tampa Bay side. But how do, does Tampa Bay let Cooper Cup, who they know they need to, to you know, uh, get deep for, uh, for at least for that last goal. How do they click, put single cover and no help over the top? That, that just blows my mind. Well, you know what? No one blitzes more than Tampa Bay does. Uh, and then no one beats the blitz better this year than Matthew Stafford. And they took a risk. The guy that was guarding, uh, you know, Cooper Cup came on the blitz. Cooper Cup just went vertical. Winfield didn't get, you know, back there in time to, to help. And uh, Stafford put the ball right in a perfect place to, to get that done. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. How do you let Tyreek Hill score from 65 out? How do you let Kelsey get that, that open that many times? How do you let Cooper Cup do that? If someone's going to blitz, let Van Jefferson's guy blitz. Let OBJ's yeah. guy blitz. But yeah. you cannot let Cooper Cup's guy... Uh, you cannot let Cooper Cup be the difference maker in that scenario so Matt Stafford comes up clutch if you went into this game saying the Rams are going to turn the ball over four times and still win yeah. one you would have thought there's no way that was going to happen and two you probably would have thought Stafford turned the ball over all four times mm -hmm. he was nearly perfect today no turnovers by him four fumbles by the Rams uh they survive. They, they survive they to play the nemesis San Francisco 49ers. Ernie, let's jump to Saturday's game in the snow at Lambeau Field in a relatively boring slugfest. San Francisco again finds a way to win and advance. Yeah, and it, it, uh, it all came down. That game was is defined by special teams. I mean, the lack, I mean, the execution of, you know, uh, the aggression of the special teams from San Francisco's side and the inability to make routine plays from Green Bay's side. I mean, you're talking, I mean, it, it was basically a 10-point swing just on special teams alone. I mean, you're talking about a field goal attempt that was blocked and then a blocked punt that was, re was scooped up and scored for seven on San Francisco's side. I mean, this game should have been 20-3, to 20-6 at, at, at best. 
favoring Green Bay. But, you know, that's San Francisco. San Francisco's defense is for real. You know, and they they kept Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay at bay, you know, at bay, uh, at, if, if I can use that pun. And, you know, they made a game out a game of it and you know lo and behold those those timely plays and it, it allowed them to sneak out with that 13-10 victory san francisco's defense is formidable they ended the year sixth in the in the uh, nfl sixth against the run sixth against the pass they're playing better now than at any point in the regular season their front seven is so dominant and so physical but i thought i thought that green bay was a little bit too conservative I think down the stretch, they're like, okay, San Francisco's not mounting any kind of a challenge. All we have to do is not give them points, and we're going to be okay. Right. And they were relatively conservative until the block kick, um, scoop and score on the block kick makes it 10-10. Then they tried to ratchet up again to get into field goal range. Couldn't do it. You know, it was basically a three and out. San Francisco takes the ball. Garoppolo does enough to get them in field goal range. And the San Francisco 49ers, despite only 212 yards of total offense, finds a way to get into the NFC Championship game. And let's be honest, they are about as hot as any team in the NFL. They've now won eight of their last 10. Um, The Rams have won seven of their last eight, but that one loss to the 49ers right. in week 18. Right. So the Rams, the line has come out. The Rams are a three and a half point favorite at home um, over the San Francisco 49ers. So Ernie, let's break down that game and how you see it happening. I know the, the matchups just came out. These teams are so familiar. This will be the third time that they've played each other in the last you know, couple of months. The second time in the last month. Um, how do you see this game shaking out? Can uh, the Rams get off the schneid? I, I think they will get off the schneid, and I think they're going to get off the schneid big time. I think today's game against the Kansas City Chiefs, just the way that it happened with all the all dr- the dramatic big plays, I think that bolds well for them. I think that they're actually, uh, you know, I, I, I think that put a lot of confidence in, in them, knowing that, you know, we, we're not, they know that they're not perfect, yet they are... Uh, you know, they can beat the defending Super Bowl champions. And I think those six wins in a row by uh, the San Francisco 49ers, I, 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 really, I really think that's just a law of averages. I really think the San Francisco 49ers escaped from Green Bay. I don't see that panning out next week. Uh, you know, if, if, if both play their A games, which I anticipate, I, I just don't think that the San Francisco 49ers have enough firepower to keep up with the, the Los Angeles Rams. I, I, I'm looking at this to be a 30 to maybe 13 game. Well, I hope you're right. I mean, you did have the Rams in the Super Bowl I for did. the preseason, so yep. you still have that alive. Um, I'm encouraged by the Rams' offensive play today. You know, a lot was said about the Tampa Bay having injuries and and of course they had Tristan Wirfs was out today and that had an impact on their offense but today was the first time the whole season that Tampa Bay had all 11 defensive starters healthy and starting Mm. so their defense was ready to play and the Rams shred them all game long other than the turnovers right you know so that is encouraging that the Rams were able to play that well against Tampa Bay's a defensive team um, again, though, if they turn the ball over four times against San Francisco, yeah, it's, it's, they will lose. They will lose. You know, they're yeah. going to have to protect the ball. They're going to have to value the ball. 
turn Jimmy G over. Somebody's got to find a way to stop Debo Samuel. The guy has become Superman because you don't know where he's going to be. You know, originally when he's just a wide receiver, you could try to put Jalen Ramsey on him. But now he'll start off as a wide receiver. He'll go back into the backfield mm-hmm. so you don't know how to cover him. And then he'll come back out on a pass or he'll, cover, or he'll carry the ball. The Rams got to figure that out because Debo Samuel is carrying that team. The offensive line and Debo Samuel making clutch plays is carrying San Francisco. They have to find a way to control him. And if they can score 30 points, I think the Rams are in good shape. Because San Francisco put up 23 against the Cowboys, benefiting from some turnovers. They put up 10 against Green Bay. None of it offensively, you know, in terms of a touchdown. Uh, and they, they beat the Rams in overtime uh, the week before that. But the Rams were up 17-0 at halftime before letting them come back in that regard. So I don't think San Fran gets the 30 points. So if the Rams can get there, I think the Rams may be playing in SoFi. But the first thing that has to happen is we cannot allow any San Francisco fans to buy up all the tickets at SoFi <laughs> Stadium. You cannot have an NFC Championship game where just as many people are cheering for the 49ers. So... Those of you in L.A., do not sell your tickets to them. Andrew Withworth's wife is saying if you need to sell your ticket, they'll buy them all. They'll buy all the tickets that need to be sold. Just allow the Rams to play the NFC Championship game in the friendly confines and not like it's another road game. <laughs> I don't even think it's going to get to that point. I, 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 really, I, I like how Stafford is playing. I mean, the running game wasn't even clicking today and they still managed to put up uh, like you said, uh, a lot of points on a good Tampa Bay defense. And I just, I, I really feel that there are a lot of highs and a lot of lows that happen in the playoffs. That's why you see blowouts and whatnot. Uh, it is going to be tough for the, for the San Francisco 49ers, knowing that they had no right to win that game in Green Bay. They had no right to win that green, at Green Bay. Is going to come back and do that again to to uh, your L.A. Rams. Uh, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. Lightning will not strike twice, in my opinion. Gosh, I hope you're right, Ernie. But as I'm always nervous, <laughs> and the 49ers are our nemesis, and they have that swagger when it comes to playing the Rams. And can the Rams get over that psychological barrier? That's true. That's uh, true. You know, if they get down early, you know, what's going to happen? So I, I'm excited that the Rams have an opportunity. I'm excited that they get to play a home game. And hopefully they'll play two straight games at SoFi Stadium. So the last game that we haven't covered yet Saturday, probably, you know, it started off the weekend. Ernie, every single game went down to a last-second field goal. Mm-hmm. And then the overtime after the last second field goal to tie in the Kansas City game. But the Bengals find a way to win despite allowing nine sacks of Joe Burrow. Right. And McEwen uh, kicks a 54-yard field goal to upset the number one seed, 1916. Your thoughts on the Titans and the Bengals? It's, it's well, let's just say this. I mean, uh, Burrow was the man. Tannehill was not the man. I mean, Tannehill played... A terrible game, in my opinion. I really thought they could, throughout throughout all the throughout the entire season. That's that was the, uh, I mean, really the path that Tennessee took. I mean, they're able to win games uh, in spite of you know uh, the success of Tannehill. 
Unfortunately, when you hit the playoffs, it's it's very hard to do and that. And then three interceptions. I mean, just yeah. he did not have a good game at all. He, Some costly he, interceptions. Yeah. I mean, I thought Derrick Henry was fine. I mean, they weren't going to be able to put all of the game on Derrick Henry in his first game back in three months. Um, Foreman I think did he well, did, though. I think yeah. he did fine. But three interceptions are a problem. Yeah, I think the first interception, which happened in the beginning of the game, that was the other two were, were tips. I, I put that more on the receivers than on Tannehill. But despite that, even if you take out those two interceptions, very pedestrian day from Tannehill. On the flip side, the guy who had no no time to, to rest in the pocket. Uh, so, you know... Talk about uh, a lot of pressure. Uh, one Joe Burrow over there. I mean, talk about. I mean, talk about growing up fast. I mean, the kid is just ice water. He has swagger and confidence. He has the it factor. But the Bengals need to protect this guy. Yeah, they do. Because if they keep giving up nine sacks. His career is going to be shortened because that team is set up. You have a great running back in Mixon. You have unbelievable wide receiver in Jamar Chase, who looks like a generational wide receiver. Mm-hmm. T. Higgins is great. Tyler Boyd is great. You have a good tight end. Uh, your defense is playing pretty good. You know, Logan Wilson and the gang, Trey Hendrickson and the gang held uh, the Titans to just 16 points, but nine sacks to Joe Burrow. Yeah. And the Kansas City Chiefs are not going to score 16 points. Their offense, as evidenced against the number one uh, defense in Buffalo today, is in a different gear right now than it was even two weeks ago. But let's not forget that it was just a couple of weeks back. It cost Kansas City the home field advantage when they went into Cincinnati and lost to the Bengals there, 28-24. Seven-point line here. What do you think is going to happen in the AFC Championship? I'm going to shock the world on top of this. And I had... Here was my game plan even prior to the games for today. I thought if Buffalo won, I don't think Cincinnati would be had a chance in Buffalo. But I thought if Kansas City won this game, I thought Cincinnati would would, would have a chance to beat Kansas City. After today's game, it makes it very difficult to, to think that Kansas City can actually lose a game in Arrowhead. But in my opinion... Uh, Cincinnati is just a team of destiny. I mean, you don't get nine quarterback sacks and still win a game. I mean, just the way that, I mean, I I, I saw a fledgling turn into a master yesterday at Burrow, and I think... I think better games are ahead. That's just my how I saw it. I think better, better games are ahead for, for Burrow. And I, I really think when push comes to shove, I, I like Burrow more in the clutch than Mahomes, even though what Mahomes did today. I think what I, Burrow was running for his life. You know, not just the fourth quarter, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. And then what he did in the fourth quarter, I, 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 I thought that was just incredible. I'm looking for a, a close game. I look for Cincinnati to win the turnover battle. I believe that uh, Kansas City uh, gets a little too uh, loose with the ball, turns it over uh, at least a couple of times. I look for the Cincinnati Bengals to win in a close one, 27-24. Wow, that is a, that is a shocker. Um, I don't see that. I, I mean, everything you said about Burrell and stuff, I think is correct. Um, I think it's more likely that the Bengals are going to turn the ball over because 
Burrow takes risks. He throws the ball mm-hmm. down the field. I think one of the keys, though, Tyron Matthew got concussed early in today's game, and clearly that had an impact. If he's unable to come back next week, then that's going to be a real detriment to Kansas City trying to control Jamar Chase and the gang without your best defensive backs. I think that's going to be uh, a key thing that we have to understand. And then Jeffrey Simmons destroyed the offensive line of the Bengals for the Titans uh, yesterday. Chris Jones can do the exact same thing. So if they allow Chris Jones to do what they allow Jeffrey Simmons to do, um, then that's going to make it awfully, awfully difficult because I don't think you can compare Kansas City's offense, the way they're playing now, and they are playing much, much better, and they're rarely turning the ball over right now than the Titans. Mm-hmm. You know, So I think, I think the, the Bengals have it a hard uh, job out there. They could cover the spread. I see another shootout. Today was 42-36. It would not surprise me if next week it's 35-31, 35-28 maybe. I think the Bengals will put up points. Joe Burrow is that good. I just don't know if they can slow down Kansas City. Um, but we'll see. I mean, fourth straight AFC championship game. You know, Kansas City's won the last two. Law of averages. But are the Bengals ready to go from nowhere to the Super Bowl in one giant leap? Uh, usually there's some incremental steps that have to take place. But we'll see. We'll see if they're ready. Mahomes wasn't ready his first time. Yep, that's true. Brady beat him. Allen hasn't been ready. You know, Mahomes beat him. Uh, is Burrow ready to break that and get all the way to the Super Bowl? Ernie thinks so. And what would be, a sh- to me, a shocker uh, in the <laughs> AFC. But that's what makes it fun. I mean, last week it was virtually all blowouts. My Rams hadn't played yet. They destroyed the, the Cardinals on Monday. It was all blowouts last week. The complete opposite this weekend. You couldn't have asked for four better finishes every game down to the wire. I agree. I hope next week's AFC is just like that. But in the NFC, I hope Ernie's 30-13 to 13 <laughs> is the way we're going with that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I really believe that the Cincinnati Bengals have at least a fighting shot. This is either going to be a close game or it's going to be low, like how, how, how you mentioned. I mean, we'll, I'll pretty much know by halftime uh, whether my the, the game goes at least the way I think it's going to go. But, yeah, I mean, you're not going to see nine sacks of Burrow. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have the most sacks in the NFL, weren't able to do that against Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow torched the Steelers twice when they tried to make that uh, a game plan. I think that's really what the Kansas City Chiefs are going to try to do. I think they're going to try to try to uh, attack Burrow, attack Burrow, attack Burrow. And I think they're going to say, come, 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 and they're going to exploit it for them. And that's how I think the game's going to go. I also think that Cincinnati has is playing with house money. I think the Kansas City Chiefs, they're, like you said, they, they played in this game how many, how many years in Four a row? Four years in a row. Yeah, and, and, and they've gotten one Super Bowl out of it. So the pressure is all on them. I mean, there. I mean, it's that's true. I mean, there's no way. There's there's no doubt that the Bengals are playing with house money, as right. you say. Yeah. I mean, they're gone further than expected. Um, so they can be relaxed. Joe Burrow is always relaxed. I mean, the guy is just he's remarkable. If he can stay healthy, that guy is going to be a problem for years to come for your Steelers, yeah. Ernie. Yeah, I, I I think so. I I really think so. I think he's. I think the Bengals are here to stay. I think so, too. I mean, they have so much talent. You just got to keep Burrow healthy. And, I mean, 
anything can happen if he goes down. But if he can stay healthy and they can build a line around him, wow, that team is going to be special uh, for, for a long time. Now, real quick before we leave the NFL, Steelers made some soft news today. The defensive coordinator announced his retirement. Mm-hmm. I think you were happy about that. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was time for him to go out. I mean, uh, just like Ben Roethlisberger, I'm, I, 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 you know, I want to thank Keith Butler for being the defensive coordinator, taking over for the great Dick LeBeau in 2015. Uh, Dick LeBeau bringing the Steelers to three Super Bowls uh, during, that, during his tenure over there. Keith Butler had, had that run. I mean, he had, Steelers had a top five defense for his four out of the first five years he was coordinator over there. And then this year, dramatic, I mean, just a, a, a total collapse. I mean, falling out of, not only out of the top five, out of the top 10, out of the top 20, they were ranked number 24. Me as a Steeler fan, lifelong Steeler fan, you don't, you don't see that. I mean, you, you look to change coordinators if, if, if we're average, and they were definitely below average this year. Uh, it was writing on the wall uh, when Keith Butler uh, went uh, under the COVID protocol. He returned. Tomlin still started... Uh, during his absence, Tomlin took over the play calling. Upon Keith Butler's return, Tomlin still did some of the play calling. And to me, that was the writing on the wall. Uh, I think they did it in a classy way, allowing Butler to retire instead mm-hmm. of firing him. And as a 65-year-old, retiring makes, makes a lot sense, of sense. Yeah, but I, I, again, I, I, I like what he did uh, for his... I look at it in the, in the totality, unfortunately... This was his time to go, I believe. No, I, I trust you in, in your looking at, uh, at the Steelers. You know them much more than I do. Um, but I think this is the first time in his seven-year reign as defensive coordinator that the Steelers were just not really able to play complementary football because mm-hmm. the offense was so bad this year. The defense had to be on the, on the field so much longer. And they couldn't take advantage of their pass rush because oftentimes they were behind. Or the games are so close that they are having to do things that they're not ordinarily used to doing. They have an, an unbelievable pass rush, and that's their strength. Mm-hmm. But when they're losing, um, or the games are like 10-7, the other team can run and run and run and exploit the weakness. So um, I'm sure Pittsburgh, they no one hires better than the Steelers. I'm sure they're going to go ahead and grab someone. I think the bigger question, and the last thing that I want to touch on in regards to the NFL, is of course, with the Packers losing yesterday... We now enter the Aaron Rodgers off-season saga drama zone. So the Packers, what do they do with Aaron Rodgers? Or, or I guess the question is, what does Aaron Rodgers do? I mean, does he, does he want to stay? Does he want to be a part of a rebuild? Their salary cap situation is a mess. They still have to sign Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. What do you think happens in Green Bay? Is Aaron Rodgers going to be back? I, I have a feeling he's going to be back. I don't think there's going to be a total rebuild in Green Bay uh, over the offseason. I believe, you know, they saw enough in regards to when a lot of their starters went down this season that there's ample backup in the second, uh, uh, you know, on the next man up type of position. So I think they'll, they'll uh, you know, save cap space that way, letting go, uh, you know, keeping as, as many of the core pieces there, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams as possible. Uh, I don't see Rodgers leaving. I, I, I just don't, just what he, he commands. And it's not just getting Aaron Rodgers. It's getting Aaron Rodgers 
and Devontae Adams, or at least a Devontae Adams type of wide receiver that you already have. And if you have that type of uh, wide receiver, I mean, you're already you're you're already good, or you're right near the cap. Well, with Devontae Adams, I mean, they they have already said that they're just going to franchise him. So if they can't come to a long term agreement, they'll franchise him. The problem with franchising him is that his salary is going to be very very high, and mm-hmm. that's going to be even more of a hit to the cap. So if Aaron Rodgers is going to stay, he's going to have to do something to drop his mm-hmm. his cap hit. I mean, mm-hmm. whether it be extending him so you can you can amortize his salary over a longer period of time or something, it's going to be real cu- curious to see. I mean, if he doesn't want to be in a real big rebuild situation with Green Bay, then where would he want to go realistically? I still think your Steelers are the ideal location for him mm-hmm. um, because they're set up to win right now. But that depends on what Green Bay is going to ask for. I mean, if the, if you're going to have to weaken the Steelers, and that doesn't make sense, he could go to some place like the Philadelphia Eagles. But I don't think the Green Bay Packers will trade him within the conference because mm-hmm. Philadelphia has three number one picks. Mm-hmm. Um, he could go to the Denver Broncos. But is the Denver Broncos really a better situation than the Green Bay Packers? No. You know, I, I, don't think, I don't think it is. So I think Aaron Rodgers is going to stay what Green Bay looks like next year, that's going to be the key. I mean, they're going to have to shed some salary yeah, in order definitely. to keep Devontae Adams in-house. And we all know Aaron Rodgers can be very sensitive. If somehow they let Devontae Adams go, he's going to have a fit. So I expect him to be back, but it wouldn't surprise me if he demands to be traded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be talk about that. I just, I just don't see it happening. I think, I think the situation now. Yes, they lost today's game. Uh, they, I mean, they lost yesterday, uh, Saturday's game. But disappointing. They, they, yeah, they, they should have won that game, and 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 he knows it. I mean, th- right now, this is his best shot to get back to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. When you when you switch franchises, it's, it's it, nobody nobody is like a Tom Brady. Tom Brady took a lot of a lot less money because his wife makes more money than he does. He doesn't need that type yeah. of contract. You know, Aaron Rodgers still has to make commercials on the side to support his his, <laughs> his mis- thirty five million dollars yeah, salary his income on top of that. Yeah. So uh, on top of doing Jeopardy shows on the side, but, <laughs> yeah, but, there's a lot going on with Mister Rodgers. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he he to me he has. I, I'd be shocked if he's not a Green Bay Packer. I, I think there's going to be some move. And later on in the offseason, we'll talk a little bit about that before we get to free agency. But I still think there's a realistic chance Aaron Rodgers moves. I think there's a realistic chance that Russell Wilson moves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those two big-name people may be on the move. Uh, and hearing a lot more chatter in the last week or so that today might have been Tom Brady's last game. He is seriously really? considering possibly hanging him up. Former uh, Patriot teammate Nico uh, Nico Vinovich, I think is how you pronounce his name, alluded to that when asked if he'd be surprised if Tom Brady retired. He said, no, I, I wouldn't be. He's 44, almost 45 years old. He's done everything he can possibly do. Um, so some chatter this week that today may have been it for, for Tom Brady, which would be kind of surprising considering he had 5,300 yards, 43 yes. touchdowns, yes. and set the record for most completions ever in a season. Um, talk about retiring at the top of your game, but I get it. I mean, he's done everything he can possibly do. And with every year, you take an injury risk. 
that something catastrophic could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, it all comes down to is that fire still there? And who knows at 45 years old? Heck, we're, we're a little over that. And we have a hard enough time getting out of bed, let alone playing in an <laughs> NFL season. So um, that would be a shame, though, if today was, if t- if today was uh, TB12's last game. Well, I, I, I'd be thoroughly shocked at that. I mean, I, if, if Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl, went on to win the Super Bowl, I could see him retiring. Just to, to, to hit that pinnacle on your last game, that's the way heroes like Tom Brady go out in the sunset. They, they go out on, the, on top. Uh, well, if he does go, if he does retire, then he went out in one of the better NFL games true. of the year with the Rams true. beating him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a good game. I don't think uh, I don't think Brady wants wants that to be uh, the last statement. Yeah. No, it, it yeah. definitely wasn't his bat, best game. And so before we leave, uh, I got to relish on the fact that my Rams are one victory away from the Super Bowl. Third time in a row that they've beaten Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hanging on today. Now, let's switch gears to the NBA, Ernie. We're a little bit past the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my Lakers, seriously, Ernie, your commitment to your Celtics watching every single game is, is admirable. Because I still have not watched one <laughs> Laker game this season from start to finish. It oh is God. just too frustrating as the Lakers get hammered again by the Miami Heat today. The Heat are playing well, but the Lakers get hammered. AD should be back within the next week or so. Um, I just don't see my Lakers going anywhere. Your Celtics? Same. They're, they're exactly the same. I mean, they, they, they tease you in, when, they, when they beat some good teams uh, and then they lose to teams that they really shouldn't have any problems with. I mean, that's that's basically the story of the season. So I really, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for. I mean, I'm really looking forward to see how Brad Stevens, uh, you know, manages this lineup during the free agency period. I mean, they did a small. I wouldn't even call it a splash. I mean, they got Bol Bol and uh, PJ Dozier. You know, uh, from I believe I think they're from De- I think they're from Denver, and they, you know, what this was in a three-team trade, letting. A, Letting uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez uh, go to San Antonio, but uh, that's not the move that I was anticipating. Uh, there is chatter. I mean, it, I, I think there is heavy chatter that Schroeder might be uh, a player that will seriously be moving, being that uh, there is no way the Celtics can resign him next year. But it's painful. I mean, I, I feel you when you say you cannot watch the Lakers. I mean, trust me. I mean, uh, I'm a masochist, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Celtics right now are 24 and 24. They're sitting in the eighth spot there. My Lakers are 23 and 24, sitting in the same area. It just, it doesn't seem like the Celtics are as disappointing. And I think because of their youth, there seems, I see a little bit more optimism. I just don't see any way around the Lakers in this situation, as old as they are. Mm. Like I could see Tatum getting healthy and then the chemistry starting to take place and those two guys leading them. I just don't see a scenario where Russell Westbrook stops turning no. over the ball and starts to shoot well. Yeah. AD is healthy and the Lakers get on a run. Plus, there's so much competition there. So, But Miami now sees themselves at the top of the East. They've gotten on a run. And, and I've been a big Miami proponent. If they are healthy, they're a problem. 
Brooklyn is in trouble while KD is out. I mean, KD is going to be out for six weeks or so. Um, can Brooklyn survive that six-week stretch with only Kyrie Irving playing road games? I expect that they're going to drop a little bit. Um, but the Bulls, Zach Levine is hurt. Alex Caruso is now out a couple of months after he broke his wrist today. They're starting to get injuries piling up and are starting to struggle a little bit. Um, and then there comes the Milwaukee Bucks. All things said it. I think the Bucks are the favorite right now. I, I would agree. You know, I think they're the favorite. I think Miami could be a co-favorite if they're all healthy. And if Brooklyn is all healthy heading into the playoffs, then they'll be a problem. Um, but other than that, I don't take the Cavaliers seriously. Philadelphia needs to do something with the Ben Simmons situation if they want to be taken seriously. Charlotte, Toronto, the Wizards, I don't really see them as threats. And Boston has a slight chance because they have two All-Stars. <laughs> that they could get hot and be a problem in the playoffs. But right now, I see it as Milwaukee and Miami as the as the cream of the East. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I, I, I would put even the Chicago Bulls and maybe the Philadelphia 76ers 3 and 4. I look for the Nets to actually drop out of the top 5 in the East uh, until Durant gets back. I don't, think he- I don't think Harden can do it by himself uh, just on his home games. Kyrie has made it... Uh, adamant that he is not going to change his stance in regards to taking the COVID shot. I, I, I think that's, that's going to play out until the end of the season. And, you know, crossing our fingers, you know, hopefully that's not an issue, uh, you know, next, next coming season. But the East is tight right now. Boston, uh, even though they sit in the eighth place, they're still only six and a half games out of first. I mean, so... Anything can happen any, still. Any, anything yeah, can anything happen. can happen. So let's shift our focus to the West. I mean, it, it, it's been a two-team race for most of the year with the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns, but Golden State has started to struggle here uh, a little bit since Clay came back. Mm-hmm. I mean, acclimating somebody new to the situation. They had some COVID cases. Maybe that's been a problem as well. Phoenix has won 9 out of 10, 6 in a row again. They're now 30, uh, 36 and 9 with a three-game lead over Golden State. So you have the Suns, Golden State, Memphis is staying strong in the third spot, um, and Utah's right there in the fourth spot. But the fifth and the sixth spots, the Dallas Mavericks have gotten hot, mm-hmm. winning eight out of 12. They're now 27 and 20. And then the Denver Nuggets are, are at 24 and 21. They're in the sixth spot before you get to the Timberwolves, Lakers, Clippers, and Trails Blazers all fighting to stay out of the tournament. So... A lot of strength at the top. For me, it's still all about the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors in the West. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I, I mean, Utah has it has always been that uh, consistent rocket, but it seems like they never move out of you know being like the third best team. Even though at, at points in time, they have the best record. Like you, last year. Yeah, you, you don't see them being the number one threat coming out of that division. I think they... they they hold steadfast over there. Memphis Grizzlies, very surprising. I mean, I, I mean, you, you look at John Morant, the way that he's come back from injury to become a superstar. I think that has a lot to do. Them picking up Desmond Bain, who I'm like cringing at because the Boston Celtics actually gave that pick away to the Memphis Grizzlies for a meager second round pick. Uh Danny Ainge, that was your last mistake. <laughs> Before you left. Rest, rest in peace at it being uh, helping out the Utah and their roster. Uh, I really don't think Dallas, Denver, and the you know the rest the rest of those teams are gonna be are gonna be players. I mean, it, it's basically 
like you said, the first two teams, and maybe depending on injury, Memphis and Utah. But you know. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, I think Memphis is overachieving. They still don't have Dylan Brooks. They're still not at full strength, and they're finding a way behind John Moran. And Desmond Bain has been probably the NBA's most improved player this year. Mm-hmm. Probably going to win that at this point in time. Um, the Denver Nuggets. I mean, I, I and, and I'll get to this in a little bit, but I think the Joker is playing even better than he did last year. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have Porter. He still doesn't have Murray. But if Murray does come back in March. Um, and get a month of play before the playoffs, they could make some noise because the Joker is that good and Murray is a dominant player. But as we've seen, players are struggling after being out for a long time to get acclimated back. We're seeing that with Clay, uh, and then we'll go from there. So in Golden State, though, I think Steph Curry, since Christmas, has been in a for him a really bad shooting slump his shooting percentage is now down to about 41 percent he's now under 38 percent from three um he's down now to just under 26 points per game i think he was carrying them a lot and he plays with so much energy running 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 um he seems tired i mean Mm -hmm. he could use like a week off to get his legs back from under him and get back acclimated because if steph curry doesn't play like last year's mvp type steph curry um I think Phoenix has too much for even them. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you. With, with you, if that holds true, uh, uh, but I don't think it holds true. Uh, I mean, I just think he's in a, a two, three week slump. I think the acclimation, like you mentioned, in regards to Clay Thompson coming back, I think that has a little bit to do with it. I think they're trying to find for Clay shot. Uh, you know, get him back into the game. They're eagerly waiting to see that second splash brother. Uh, you know, reemerge, and he has. You know, he's had some good. He's had some good good outings out there uh but it, it's got to be a process like you said if murray for denver comes has a month to acclimate himself uh i can see denver coming back but then again they're gonna have to play they're gonna have to play the yeah. one of the two top seeds just to yeah. even get get a crack yeah, at so that's that. gonna be a problem yeah for that'll be that that that'll be tough but it, it, it's to me uh you know golden state will find the right way they're they're too good of a team they are too good of a team. They got you got Thompson back. You got Wiggins, who who who's, who's in, in my opinion got is uh, you know a surprising All Star pick. He's he has been playing well. Uh, you have to give Golden State uh, that second nod when it comes down to All Star All Star players uh, coming out of their conference. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry. Well, I think I think one of the things that you're seeing right now with Golden State struggling in the last week or so is the importance of Draymond Green. If you ever doubted how important Draymond Green is, he's been out for the last week or so, and they're a completely different team without mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he he's the best defensive player. He rebounds. He passes. He does all the little things to keep them going, and he's out, and he's out for another week or so. But if they come back healthy, and there's chatter around Golden State, probably. Possibly packaging some players, some of the young guys to go get a veteran before the deadline. We'll have to see if they actually do that. But you know what is scary to me is Phoenix is by far the best record in the NBA. And not one of their players is having a better year this year than they had last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, Chris Paul's not having as good a year. Still a good year. Devin Booker's not having as good as a year. DeAndre Ayton's not having as good of a year. Not bad years by any stretch. But they haven't elevated yet. 
and yet they're still 36 and 9 which is a sign of a really really good team yeah a really really good coach and a good coach that's that, that that's what that's what I think I think they're just hitting on you know they were a team going into last year's uh, you know playoffs and eventually into the finals as uh, a very good role-playing team and I, I think they've really adopted that this year uh, you know not one person even though they, they do have a couple of all-stars you know in, in, in Paul and Booker that they you know they, it's not one man that's making that team it's and you have Chris Paul who's actually echoing that I mean you're he's an aged guy but you know he knows how he knows how to win you know he, he, he's, he's been in that place before and it, it's, it just falls into place. They're playing good ball. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if another team like the Golden State Warriors who been there, done that, gets a matchup with them, uh, that's going to be a problem with them because eventually, like we saw in the NFL today, man, when you get into the playoffs and everybody's playing their A game, uh, I don't think they are the most talented team in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, they have all-star backcourt. They have a big power guy uh, at the at the center position. But yeah, from a straight talent perspective, there there are teams that are more talented right. than they are. Um, but they are one heck of a team. And right now, they're thirty-six and nine, by far the best record in the NBA. Well, at least by three games over the Golden State Warriors. So I'm going to transition into my closing thought. I'm going to stay in the NBA. I was just talking to Ernie off the air. Last year, we did an extensive All-Star show, and we'll do the same thing this year. Um, But the problem is this year, the All-Star game is going to be right around the Super Bowl, where last year it kind of stood in its own. So what I want to talk about right now and get Ernie's feedback as well is the NBA midseason All-NBA team or teams and the midseason MVP. So Ernie, this is what I've got. Right now, I have 10 players that I believe are worthy of being considered all NBA types. Okay. John Morant, in no particular order, John Morant, Steph Curry, LeBron James, KD, The Joker, Luka, DeMar DeRozan, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Donovan Mitchell. That last one could be a, a number of different people, but that's kind of how I see it. Those 10 guys. So from those 10, how do you pick the first team all NBA? So this is what I'm thinking. I am not going to go the route of two guards, one center, two forwards. I'm going to play positionless all NBA mm-hmm. and I'm going to go with the guys that are the best that I believe for the first half and also projecting a little bit into the second half. So you're going to see uh, why I make that point. Okay. I have John Morant and Steph Curry on that first team. Okay. I have the Joker on that first team. Okay. I have Giannis Antetokounmpo on that first team. And I have Joel Embiid on that first team. Wow. So I go two centers. I go Giannis. I go Steph Curry and John Morant. Missing is Kevin Durant. Yeah. Because he's going to be out now for the next one and a half to two months. And missing, shockingly, is one LeBron James, who's probably playing the best that he's played so far, but his team is struggling. At 23 and 24, I just cannot put him over players like John Morant, Steph Curry, um, you know, Giannis, Joel Embiid, who are having just as good a years, but their teams are doing much better, and the Joker. So that would be my five, John Morant, Curry, 
Joker, Embiid, and Antetokounmpo, I believe, are the five guys having the best year so far. Your thoughts on just that part? I'm surprised that you have two centers out there, but I'm not surprised. I mean, Embiid has been playing well for the 76ers. Uh, In my opinion, you leaving out KD is more surprising than you leaving out LeBron, being a Laker fan. Uh, I think you'll find out after six weeks how much LeBron is worth it to that Nets team. Uh, Or KD. Yeah, KD. How much KD is worth it to that Nets team, even though they still have Harden and a part-time Irving. Uh, KD is, is, I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about, in the argument for best player, in the world, in the world yep. right, right now. I, I mean, I, I mean, no I, doubt. And I, I, I would put Giannis in there. I definitely would put uh, LeBron in there. Uh, so to have them out of that top five is is. But I can see you. You did mention the reason for uh, with, with injury. Uh, I, I cannot argue. I mean, I was looking at Luca, but again, this run that they're on right now. Uh, maybe if I saw in the future and they they were still on this run and projected out. I might put him uh, in that conversation at the end just because he just he just does so much for his team. And I can see him if if the if the Dallas Mavericks lose him that they'd be in in a total disarray. Yeah. You know, so uh other, other than that, I mean Yeah, I think I, I think you I, know with I like Luca. I, I think it, when you look at Luca versus say John Moran and Steph Curry, I think Luca gets penalized for being great. Because he's still averaging over 25 points, eight and a half rebounds, and over eight assists. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's still a stats sheet stuffer. But perception-wise, to me, he just hasn't been as good this year as he has been the last two years. And I think one of the themes that I'm seeing is that the players that played in the Olympics have struggled this year a little bit or are injured. You know, the only one was Kevin Durant, who was playing really well and not injured, and now he's injured. But if you look at Booker, he's down. Mm-hmm. Damian Lillard was down, and mm-hmm. then he's out. Jason Tatum, you can argue that he's been down. He's down. Um, and, and, and he played. Luka played big minutes for his country. He's down. You know, So I, I do think that that probably has had a negative impact on some of the players that played during the Olympics. So taking it to the next step, and this is where you may be surprised. For the MVP at this point in time, I have it down to two people. The Joker, okay. again. I agree. And John Moran. So let's break down. Wow. Let's break down. <laughs> First, let's go with the, the underdog, so to speak, in my eyes, which is John Moran. I think John Moran has taken a massive leap. And I think for a player leading his team to a point in the season, a record in the season that is so far above what everybody else expected, where the next best player for them uh, Dylan Brooks has been out for most of the year. Desmond Bain is playing great, but there's no doubt that John Morant lifts that team. And I think he has just raised his level of play. He is definitely box office. Now, that could be recency bias because he is a young player. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about Nikola Jokic. Okay. I believe right now he's having a better year this year than he did last year. And he's having to do it single-handedly because the other guys are hurt. You know, so let's look at his stats right now. He's averaging 26 points, 
on 57% from the field goal, 37% from three, 79% free throws, 14 rebounds, seven and a half assists, 1.4 steals, one block a game, and a PER, a player efficiency rating of 33.6, far and away the number one player efficiency rating in the entire NBA. If I had a vote, I would vote for Jokic right now over John Morant and some of the others. Um, what do you think about that? Or who, do you, who else would you think would be a significant MVP vote getter at this point? Well, first of all, I agree with you with Jokic. I mean, he just had a triple double uh, earlier in the week that, I mean, I, when I was watching the highlights on YouTube of that game, I mean, it was like, you're kidding me. I mean, this guy, he just does, he does everything. And, and the fashion that he does it, uh, may I say it's, it's bird-like. I mean, he just uh, give him extra points in regards to, uh, you know, the non-flashiness, but he just gets it done. Yeah, I mean, he had this past week, Ernie, he had four consecutive triple-doubles. He has 11 triple doubles on the year, and he's the center. And yeah, it's remarkable. It's, 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 he has been unbelievable so far for the Denver Nuggets. And God, I never would have saw this coming. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I knew he was good last year. I was a proponent of him winning the MVP. I thought he would come back to earth, and he's better. He is just amazing for his size and his skill level yeah and if he keeps it up i think he'll he'll win it again but a lot of season to be remained yeah i think Giannis is going to be a big player yeah. by the time the season is over I, if I, lebron stays healthy and the lakers get on a run and lebron keeps playing like this lebron will be in there as well steph will be there john morant we'll see if he can sustain this for a full year if he can stay healthy uh and if the chicago bulls get on a run Maybe DeMar DeRozan gets some love because he's had a tremendous impact on that team as he, well. He, he does. I, actually, I like Levine more than uh, DeRozan. DeRozan is the end of the game shot. Levine does it the total game. I mean, he he. if, if you watch the Chicago Bulls, uh, I mean, and they're missing uh, Levine right now. And, and you see it in, in, in their, in their, in, uh, you know, their struggles over the last 10 games. I mean, Levine is really the engine that makes the... The uh, although I do like DeRozan, I mean, but DeRozan has probably this is probably his best year in the last five since he was uh, actually back in the the, the Toronto. Yeah, the, 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 the pieces have just fit for him really nicely, right? Uh, in Chicago, so right. So you agree with the Joker? I, I, right I, now. I agree with the Joker. I do not agree with uh, Morant. I would actually uh, put Giannis over there, or even Embiid uh, as my as my number as my number two or number three. And then I'd probably put in John Morant. I mean, I really think that... Uh, well, you know what? I mean, Giannis and Embiid are number two and number three in terms of the player efficiency rating. So they easily could be could be in here. I did penalize Joel Embiid because as usual, he's missed like 12 games. Mm -hmm. So he's only played about 70% of the game so far this season. So that's where I knocked him. But Giannis is right there. Yeah. I mean, Giannis could be right there. I think it's just recency bias. You I mean you kind of watch a highlight with John Moran? Oh, the guy and is. The guy has just been spectacular and so much fun to watch that he gets extra credit for must see TV. He is. And if he doesn't go for the <laughs> slam dunk contest in this year's All Star game, I'll be thoroughly disappointed. The, guy, the guy's hops is crazy. crazy. Yeah, it's it is crazy. Nuts. All right, so. 
Again, it's only halfway through the season. We'll get a little bit more in-depth as the NBA All-Star voting comes to a conclusion in a, in a couple of weeks or so. But we wanted to touch a little bit on the NBA as we start to transition from the NFL into the NBA and NCAA basketball. But, Ernie, as boring, so to speak, as the wild card rod, uh, round was last week with blowouts in most of the game, I don't know a divisional weekend that was quite like this. Can't where all four Ten. games went down to a last-second field goal, yeah. either to win it or send it into overtime. And then the Chiefs-Bills game, one of the greatest ever. NFL playoff ever. games ever. Ever. That fourth quarter was must-see TV. It, it was. It was it, a classic. Yeah, I, the only thing I regret about that game is the way it ended. I mean... Not letting uh, Josh Allen get a chance. Exactly. I mean, that, I, I, I hate to say it, that game was one on the coin flip. I mean, imagine if you an NBA goes to overtime, whoever wins the jump ball, pulls up, takes a three, game over right there. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it, it does seem a little illogical, especially in today's day and age. But we are now set for championship weekend. First, the Kansas City Chiefs at home, seven-point favorites over the Cincinnati Bengals. Ernie says, shocker, going to happen next week in shocker. Kansas City. Cool Joe Burrow is ready for the Super Bowl, according to according to Ernie. I think that's going to be a shootout. I still expect Kansas City to win, though I would be I wouldn't be surprised for the Bengals to cover the spread. And my Rams, can they get over the three-year San Francisco 49er hump? Easy. Rams are three and a half point favorites going home to SoFi. I like my Rams to finally figure out a way to get it done. Ernie thinks it's going to be a blowout. I hope Ernie is right. I rarely hope Ernie is right, but I hope Ernie is right in this particular case. So championship weekend, gang. We'll be back to preview the Super Bowl next week. But Ernie, you got anything else? I'm good. All right, gang. Until next week, check us out on social media. Tell us who you believe is the NBA MVP. More importantly, Tell us who your Super Bowl picks are going to be. Do you agree with Ernie that the Bengals could win? Do you agree with both of, both of us that the Rams will finally knock off the 49ers? Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. And until next week, everyone, your sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.